0: Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Had already by that age had developed really good coping mechanisms. Maybe they were coping mechanisms. Maybe they weren't. Maybe it was dysfunctional, but I managed, even though it felt like every time, like, like a heartbreak.
0: And how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Welcome to episode two and it was such a joy to see so many of you connecting with Emily's story last week. I know you had a few tears and I know you really connected with that story because parts of all of us have felt so many of those feelings too. And it allows us to understand that we're not alone. We've all struggled with difficult times and it helps us to heal just a tiny bit when we connect in this way. And now to episode two. Almost 50% of marriages end in divorce. But what about the kids? They move back and forth between homes and they may need to deal with new marriages, siblings, and the sadness of never having both parents in their lives at once. Andrea Heyman remembers her young childhood as a really happy time, but once her parents separated, she had to learn to cope. Divorce has a lasting impact on kids and Andrea's story recounts some beautiful memories alongside feelings of abandonment and heartbreak please join me in listening to Andrea's story hi andrea welcome and thank you so much for being here
1: thank you for having me this is really such an honor
0: so let's go back to the beginning and talk about what you remember of yourself as a small child was it a happy time
1: yeah i think most overall i remember my childhood as being really happy Um, my parents had me when they were very young, they were both in graduate school, I think both 23. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they were very young and had a lot of, um, life to grow in, into them. My early childhood, I was an only child. I was my mom and dad's only child. So I was very central in their lives. My mom tells stories about how she would not take me. They would would not go anywhere that they couldn't take me. So part of that is because they moved away. They both grew up on the West Coast, but for graduate school, they moved to the Midwest. So they didn't know anyone. They were new to that area. They didn't have family and didn't have such a community. Um, because they were young, married, in graduate school, and had a baby, so they didn't have many outlets to meet new people yet, but as they started to be invited places, I always went with them, and um, so I was very much like a central part of their life, and I remember that even as a toddler and preschooler, I guess I remember the preschool years, I was brought to everything or included in a lot of things. So even my dad would bring me to his lab and quote unquote get me involved in his lab experiments. Um, I don't remember what I did but in my mind I remember it as feeling very (laughs) given a lot of responsibility. And my mom too. I remember once um, she was in law school and I was I would normally attend daycare, but I was sick. Um, I was too young to be kept at home by myself. And I went to her law school class with her. Um, And I was told very specifically that I could not make a single noise. So I sat at her feet, she was at the desk. I sat at her feet and um, probably was really quiet. And at some point the professor (laughs) said something um, like directed a question at me. And I remember following my mom's instructions and not saying anything. And she's like, no, no, right now it's okay. You can <laughs> say something now. But um, but I think it, it was just because I was an only child. Those young years, I really was kind of the central figure yep. in the family, or that's how I think of it. And um yeah, I feel like it was really a happy time.
0: It sounds like it, but your parents, that's really young, isn't it? 23 to get oh, yeah. married. Like I, I just look back at myself at 23, that was so young. So what was uh, your dad like? What relationship did you have together at that time?
1: Yeah, I like I said, I was really involved in a lot of his projects. So he was an interesting fellow, Um, In that he, he was a scientist. So he, like, you know how kids when they're young, they ask a bazillion questions. Why is the sky blue? Why this? Why this? Well, my dad literally would explain all of those questions in a scientific manner. (laughs) Wow. So he would have an explanation for it. And obviously, like he wouldn't use technical terms, but he would take the time and had all this patience to explain <laughs> literally everything to me. I also remember he would um build things. I'm trying to think. Like for example, he would build, he built a tree house for me, right? But I remember being involved in that process and like helping him cut wood on the on the wood saw.
0: And what about your mom? What sort of relationship did you two have?
1: Yeah, so even when I was little, I think it was really my mom who was behind the, I'm not leaving the baby. I'm not leaving Andrea anywhere because she was so protective. And I think she just liked me, liked being around, liked my company. Um, And granted, she was young and also probably fairly alone where she lived. So um, she kind of centered her her life around my activities I think although she was in graduate school so she had studies as well.
0: So do you feel like she was quite a good role model to you then when you were growing up? I
1: do I think my mom was an extremely good parent uh, role model absolutely she was even though she even as I um, aged she had a career and had for somebody in the 70s, a woman in the 70s, she probably had a bigger career than most women that age, and yet, um, she always came home by five, and even if she had to work at home in the evening, she was always very, like her schedule was very regimented. She always made a breakfast. There was always a homemade dinner. So those kind of basic needs were very well met and um, there was quite a routine around it, like a certain um, strong security around those types of things.
0: Those routines are really important. I think as kids are growing up, aren't they? It puts that kind of structure around your life. I suppose it makes you feel safe rather than just having haphazard stuff happening all the time.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what happened after that? Because I believe it was when you were fairly young that your parents divorced.
1: It did. Um, I do remember, I think I was five or six. I think in that six, five, six, seven age range, I remember playing. I had a tire swing that hung on the tree and I remember playing on it. And My parents called me over and said, we want to talk to you. So I go running over there, and then they said, okay, we've decided that we are separating, and that means you know we're going to live in different homes. It has nothing to do with you. It's not your fault. I mean, I remember the conversation. They asked me if I had any questions, and I basically said, okay, and ran back to my tire swing. So I think from their perspective, I mean I can only imagine, they probably thought, "Hey, this is great. <laughs> She's fine. <laughs> this yeah. is going to be easier than we thought." So that was kind of a big moment in my life and I didn't realize how much things would change after that.
0: Cuz I guess at that age you have no idea, right? You don't have you don't have any kind of experience of what that actually means, mom and dad are separating okay right like what does that mean for me that's right it's definitely um interesting i think because parents often do think oh the you know the kids are fine they're not reacting but there's so much more to it i think isn't there yes so you had a very connected relationship with both your parents how did that change once they separated right
1: so this is pretty interesting um my my dad was still finishing up a postdoc degree that he had during that time so we were still in the midwest my after school daycare teacher who was in college and this was her i guess her part-time job to make money she would work at this after school daycare program certain days of the week from probably three until six or something like that my dad began dating her. And I think prior to that, my dad dated a few other people. I vaguely remember that, but it was really this woman who was quite a lot younger, 10 years younger than he was, who had a child who was about seven years old by that time. They dated, and then they they lived together. I think pretty quickly she moved in with him. And then shortly after that, my dad took a job back on the West Coast. So again, I remember being told, hey, I've made this decision. Um, We are moving back on the West Coast. And this time my reaction was quite different. I do remember it feeling horrible because I didn't know how often I would see him.
0: Yeah, so it must, must have been pretty hard to say goodbye at that point.
1: It was. It was very hard. Um, and from that point, we would see each other on the winter breaks and the summer breaks. So the summers, most of the, I would say, pretty much the entire summer school vacation, I was there in Washington State and also for two weeks over the winter break.
0: And did you really look forward to that time?
1: I did however in retrospect and I I don't know how old I was when I realized this but for me there always was a, a void because I was always missing a parent because there would I was always going a long period of time without seeing one or the other of my parents and I think that was very very hard And I think I remember every single transition that I had to go to the other house or come back to the Midwest where my mom lived or go to Washington state where my dad lived that produced a ton of anxiety, but I know that I had already by that age had developed really good coping mechanisms maybe they were coping mechanisms maybe they weren't maybe it was dysfunctional but i managed even though it felt like every time like like a heartbreak so i had to endure that a couple times a few times a year
0: Wow, heartbreak. That's that's such yes. a sad word. So what, it what were the word? Yeah, that's really sad. What were the coping mechanisms? What do you learn to do to shut shut things out? Is that what you do?
1: I I I am a master stuff it down person. Absolutely, right. and probably from my parents' perspective, you know, even as I got older, like I still socialized and had friends. I still got good grades. I still participated in extracurricular things. They probably had no idea how painful things were for me because I wasn't acting out or anything, you know?
0: Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? How the same situation of divorce can affect a child in so many different ways and if you're looking as if you're just coping and everything is amazing and everyone's oh she's fine and yet there's so much emotion and and so much feeling of I guess abandonment and all of those things that you have to do with.
1: I've never even thought of those words but I certainly well I've never thought that word in particular until probably the last month or two. As I've been kind of working through some of these
0: things and just
1: talking about it. And there probably was a sense of abandonment.
0: Yeah. And were you able to see, like, I guess if you didn't see your dad, did you see his family? Were there grandparents or other people that you were missing out on spending time with as well? Did you just sort of miss out on a whole bunch of other stuff that went along with your dad? That's an interesting question. Actually, my dad, when
1: he moved back to the West Coast, he moved within miles of both of his parents. Okay. And his brother and his sister. Although I should take that back. His sister was in the Peace Corps and lived in various places, but she eventually relocated back to Washington State. So actually when I went to visit in the summers, And I went to visit in the winter break to Washington State with my dad. I did get to see my grandparents then. And in fact, this is a really interesting tradition. Uh, My grandmother, who obviously lived there, started a half-birthday celebration for me. So my birthday is in January, and my grandmother started every year. On July 15th, which was my half birthday, uh, like she would throw a party for me and we would celebrate my half birthday.
0: What a lovely, what a beautiful, thoughtful thing to do. That's so special. I just wonder at that time when you're going between the two of your parents, is anybody at that point, does anybody say, how are you coping? Do people, does anybody ask you or do they just think she's looking good, we won't? you know, we don't need to worry. Right. Um, I would say typically no. Um, mm. Every time I had to say goodbye
1: to my dad, and then I was with my mom, I think that first night, or that second day, first day, there was some point where I had a breakdown. And I think, and what I mean by a breakdown is just sobbing, sobbing uncontrollably. And I think because I had more of emotional comfort with my mom that I felt safer to do that with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think had I done that with my dad, I don't think I would have received the same support. So I didn't there.
0: Yeah. So then I believe your dad remarried at some point. Correct. So th- the woman who was my after-school daycare teacher
1: they both moved together to Washington state and then married shortly. Or maybe, I don't know. The timeline is a little confusing to me because I was young, but I think probably they married when I was about eight or nine.
0: Oh, wow. So how did that feel when that happened? Ha, huh.
1: well, that is probably, that is probably the hardest story in my life. They did not tell me. That they got married. I think that they thought it would be harder for me to know than not to know. However, as I became older, I realized there were wedding pictures around the house and and it wasn't like a traditional wedding where there was a wedding dress and all this, but there were flowers and corsages and in those pictures are my grandparents who lived in the area her grandparents or her parents one of her sisters and then my aunt and uncle my dad's brother and sister so people knew but not me so i found out about it months later i don't know how many months later it was definitely two three four months later that i was told that this event had occurred
0: wow yeah not only did you not you weren't invited to be involved in it but they didn't even tell you sit you down and tell you that this had happened which must that's another heartbreaking thing right so to me I think
1: so I'm a mom now if I had a big life event I would really want my kids to be there and to celebrate that with me so it's hard for me to imagine the decision-making process otherwise.
0: Absolutely. And I guess what it was, I mean, I'm sure that it was that they were trying to protect you in some way. And
1: That's how I think of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I just feel like so much of what we need to do with our kids is so simple and communication is one of them. And imagine if somebody could have just communicated what was happening because if you're going to be upset about it, delaying telling you by a month or two isn't going to stop you being upset about it. And, and also you, you didn't get included. So yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Where there's just that lack of communication that was so important.
1: For sure. And I will tell you that even that's a wound in me that I know is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it was about, maybe one year ago, where, so my, my dad and my stepmom have three kids and the two girls were visiting me. So I have a very close relationship with them. They were visiting me here on the East Coast, I think last fall. And the one was telling a story about, oh, ha ha ha, we were going through pictures and we saw mom and dad's wedding pictures and she was describing some of the funny pictures that were there. I actually had to leave the room and I don't think she knows why. And I didn't have the nerve to tell her why or that, why that bothered me and why it was so upsetting. Even one year ago, I was pretending like nothing's wrong.
0: It's interesting because I guess I thought by now that the people would know that that they would know that, that you weren't there. Isn't that interesting that this is how many years later and it's still like a secret almost isn't it?
1: Almost yeah. And in fact, you're making me um, you're making me very brave here and I don't know that it's bravery because I feel like my half- sisters would be completely understanding and um, empathetic if I were to tell them this story. So I think that might be a really good thing to
0: do. I think it would be a great thing to do. I think it's so funny because we do hang on to these things and we've become so normal to us never to reveal this stuff because we, like you say, we push it so far down, don't we? And we just don't think about it. We want, don't want to have to deal with the hurt anymore, but it can be so healing just to sit down and say, hey, do you know what happened and, and how I felt? And yeah. I, I, I can imagine that they would, they would love to hear that story and understand yeah. it.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices So part of the reason is that, and you might ask me this in a bit, and I might be jumping ahead, but my half siblings are considerably younger than I am. They're 10 years, 12 years, and 15 years younger than I am. Right. My dad died in a very sudden, unexpected way when he was 44 years old. So they were, I was 19 and they were nine, seven, and four. So especially the one who was four has not a lot of memories of him. And I never wanted to change their opinion of him. I never wanted them to think, I I didn't want to be the reason why they might shift their opinion of him.
0: Does that make sense? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I understand that completely from my own point of view because the the world sees us all in our perfect way. We're all presenting our perfect self to the world and it's very hard for us to be the person that, that puts a hand up and says, well, actually, this person wasn't perfect, you know. Yes. <laughs> Why yes. do we need to do that? Do we, you know, it's it's a really difficult thing to do for all of us. So, I, you know, I think we can we can keep those things going for our whole lives but I think sometimes if it's really important to us to have those conversations it's just in the end it's just the truth it's not yeah it's not me saying a terrible thing about somebody it's just the truth and and this is what happened to me and I think it's a really good thing to share so it sounds as if you have now a pretty good relationship with all of those. They're all sisters, aren't they? Or?
1: The oldest one is a brother, and oh, okay. um, he—I don't have as close of a relationship with him. But in his defense, he works a very um, demanding job and has six kids. No, seven kids. Sorry, I miss. They have a oh, baby. Wow.
0: Seven kids,
1: and the oldest is nine.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so he doesn't see anybody.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's not just, he literally doesn't get out much. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. So when, when you were small and, and your dad and his partner were having the new family, how did that go? Did you feel like you fitted into that? Or did you always feel like did they make sure that you were included in everything? I guess you were only visiting anyway, right? Right. So I definitely felt
1: like I was visiting. Nobody was outwardly excluding me or anything like that but I definitely didn't feel like I was part of that nuclear family. Although there were certain occasions where they certainly waited to do things until I was there. So I I don't want to paint a picture of that I was always the outsider, because that isn't the case, But, but yeah, I think from my perspective, I felt like, like I didn't really belong, but I don't. I don't think there was anything that anyone was doing to really
0: make me feel that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a natural thing, isn't it? I mean, yes. they, they're continuing on with the family over here, and you're popping in and and Correct. you're trying to be a part of it. It's, it's just how it is, isn't it? So by the time you're twenty, you've gone through your parents' divorce. Your dad's remarried. Without you knowing, and then you've also lost your dad because he's. That's true. That's a lot, <laughs> oh, isn't it? That is true. Yeah. So by by the age of twenty, how do you think it's impacted your life up to that point? More than
1: I thought, and more than I admitted. Uh-huh. Um, I do remember I was in college when my dad died. And it was the fall semester. It was in September. So it was the beginning of that semester. And I remember going to his funeral and the next day coming back to class. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not want to deal with that at all. If I had separation from it, I felt like I could move on. And... I do remember, so I was in college and I went to the, the gym, like the college gym. I don't know. I was on the Stairmaster or something. And this guy next to me was trying to drum up a conversation. And I just had no interest in talking to him. And he eventually said "I know, something like, like, I know your type. You're so snobby, blah, 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 blah. And I started crying and I said, my dad died. I went to his funeral yesterday. And he said, you can't even admit the truth. That didn't happen. I don't believe you. You're so full of baloney. Wow. Something to that effect. So I'm oh in my the gym. Gosh. Yes, being called out on this, sobbing. And I'm like rushing out the door. And then I saw two people that I knew. And they, they engulfed me in this huge hug. And somehow, some way through my sobs, I explained to him, explained to them kind of the gist of what happened. And I remember my one friend, he said, show me who he is and i said he's over there as i'm crying and he walks over there and let, rips into him and says don't you call her a liar this is true this just happened and i was so grateful
0: but it was quite a quite a scene wow um, yeah it's amazing isn't it what um oh, how somebody can affect you just by one or two sentences Correct. and
1: yeah.
0: their judgment and all of that stuff it's um it's so much to deal with so did you you said you didn't really deal with it at that time I mean did you deal with that over time or did it kind of hit you at some point later or so I finished that semester I finished the next
1: semester and that summer when I was home on the summer break my mom insisted that I go to a therapist because she thought that I hadn't dealt with things, which was completely accurate. And I put up so much resistance to that and did not want to go. And she insisted I had to go. So I take myself to the therapist and I My memory might be different of what it actually was, but I sobbed through the entire thing. I went home (laughs) and I told my mom, I'm never going back there again, because it made me have to deal and it made me have to feel. And that is not what I was used to doing. So you didn't go back? I don't remember going back. Okay. Okay. But yeah. I don't, I don't totally like there. I would say after that year, there are a lot of times that are a little bit fuzzy for me. Yeah. I don't remember going back.
0: Okay. And so through all of this, your mum seems like a really grounded, constant, positive presence in your life. So, what has that relationship with your mum given you, th- do you think, throughout your life? Because she's always there, oh, isn't she?
1: Yes, she is always there. Um, remember I am her only child. Um, so interestingly, I, after college, I moved to the East coast and then I thought I would live here for a year doing an internship, but I ended up getting a good job and stayed here. And then shortly after that met the person who I'm now married to. So my mom would visit pretty often. When I had my first child in 2001 she would come visit probably every six weeks when he was born. So she was here very, very regularly. And then when I became pregnant with the second child, she said, I don't, I don't want to be the grandma who is not in my grandchildren's life regularly. I'm moving. And so yeah. So she actually lives here, not with us in our house, but about 10 minute, 12 minute drive away. And we see her regularly. She is very heavily involved um, in all of our lives. But what is interesting, you mentioned that, you know, she was always a constant support and, and very consistent for me. If I connect with someone I haven't talked to in a long time. Let's say I talked to, so here's an example. Last fall, I had a college reunion and there were about 30 25, 30 friends that were there. I will tell you that the majority of them were like, how are you? What's going on? And then the next question was, how's your mom? And that is really telling because she was such a prominent figure in my
0: life throughout. Absolutely, and how beautiful to have had that with everything else that was going on. Yes. So, so when you look back at your childhood and, and you look at yourself now, how do you think? What are the main things you think have really impacted who you are now?
1: Well, I think first of all, I've always been a person who has proceeded as if everything's fine. So, in my work settings, in my social settings. I have never been a squeaky wheel. I am super reliable. Yeah. And, and people will tell me if P, if you were to ask five of my friends, they would say, you're always so calm. I can tell you anything and you will kind of look at the big picture and give me advice on what, what I see as the various options of how to proceed but I do it in a way without any kind of judgment. So that's kind of what, how people perceive me. And it's funny because I don't really think of myself that way. Yeah. But I think probably a lot of my upbringing and how I worked through it, how I managed really influenced that
0: yeah okay i get that so now you've got three kids haven't you i do so i talk about the family treasure box which is what i think the things are that we need to bring to our kids lives to have a really positive impact what do you think are the things that you have brought to your kids lives that are the the positives that are the most important things i think i am very
1: consistently available I think that they all know they can come to me and ask me a question at any time. I give a lot of the basic routine and structure. So I'm always up every morning. I help people. I'm, I'm a support when people are getting ready. I make sure we plan ahead and we've got food for meals and we've got Everybody has their school supplies on time and it's not a last minute rush or anything like that. There's never like a last minute kind of crisis. So I would say kind of that pillar of structure is one thing that I've given. I'm a little bit silly. So I laugh at myself and I laugh at kind of the the day-to-day funny things. Probably so much so that my kids are like, oh my gosh, you're so ridiculous. (laughs) That's not funny at all. Um, What other tools do you think are important?
0: Well, I was just thinking that you will have picked up the things about communication, I guess. And that's what I think you're saying is that you're always available and you're always ready to talk to them about anything. And I think definitely myself, well, I think all of us, we either want to, continue and do the things that our parents did because it was amazing or we want to change our experience for our own kids so if if we didn't get that communication with our with our parents and it's obvious now that you're making a big change in what you're doing and saying i'm available and i'm always here to talk and and that's a really important thing isn't it
1: i think the other thing that I'm really conscious of, especially now that I have a teenage daughter is I let her feel her feelings. So I think it's easy to like when someone expresses themselves to say, oh, it's fine. And I think that's probably what I was given a lot. And I don't, I try not to do that. I try to just listen and let the feeling be what it is,
0: as opposed
1: to having to have an answer for it.
0: That's awesome. Because I think often we do feel like we have to solve people's problems, don't we? Whereas actually, we don't, we don't need to solve everything. We just need to let them have that feeling. And, you know, and then we can go ahead and try and solve it. But it's, it's just knowing that we can express ourselves. And we don't have to hold it all inside a, is the big one. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so you've started an amazing new business called Adventures in Feeding My Fam. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I was going to mention it when you were
1: talking about the things that I bring in my toolbox and I really think it's probably something that was established with my mom. I told you before that we always had home-cooked meals when I was growing up. She worked, she was a partner in a law firm and that was not so common in the 70s and early 80s for a woman to do that. Um, And obviously she was a single mom too. But we always had that and I do that too. So Adventures in Feeding My Fam is all about making meal planning and food preparation of healthy meals easy for busy families
0: sounds amazing that's exactly what i need
1: <laughs> so, so what are you
0: actually, what are you actually doing for people where can they find you so i am
1: most active on instagram and my yep. handle is adventures in feeding my fam amazingly I am starting my own podcast of the same name, Adventures in Feeding My Fam. Initially, when I had the concept to do this, I thought it would be really more about the technical, I don't know, I don't know if technical is right, but like really kind of the nitty gritty of interviewing different people and finding out how do they meal plan, do they batch prep, what it, you know, what is... What are their techniques to get food on the table for their families? What became very clear to me is that we have, and we, I mean all people, have so many stories about food and tradition and what it means to their family and what those food-related stories mean. Like there's so much meaning to it and I have absolutely loved hearing those stories. So I kind of started out one way, but immediately have shifted to more focusing on the stories because that's what I'm interested in. So hopefully others will be too.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. People love that stuff. They love. I mean, the foodies—people love the food and they love the stories. So that's going to be amazing. Exactly. I'm really looking forward to. I'm looking forward to listening to that, Andrea. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. You've been so open and honest, and I believe it's so important to share our stories because if we can be more aware of how our kids might be feeling, then we can hopefully understand what they're going through a little bit better and how we can support them the best that we can. So thank you so much. Thank you.
1: I really love what you're doing and I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk. I'm not usually a talker about myself. So even as we're going through here today, I'm you know, taking lots of bits and pieces and do see how I can apply things in order to help my kids. And I appreciate
0: that. Such a gorgeous chat with Andrea today. And it just makes me think about our kids. You know, they might look as if everything is fine and they might be smiling and they might be putting on, you know, the the face that they think you want to see. But underneath that, they can be really confused and lonely and sometimes sometimes we just don't really ask our kids. You know, we think, oh, they're fine, they're coping. When parents divorce, it's a big deal. There's so many feelings involved with that. And if if a child is not being spoken to about how they're feeling and getting them to share that and not just doing it once, but constantly asking them and constantly connecting in with them and saying, hey, what's happening? How are you feeling today? Is everything all right? Because kids can just feel so lost and because everything around them seems to be going well, they feel like they just have to get on with it and it becomes part of just normal life, just feeling that like that. And that's, that's really not a positive. So yeah, so checking in with your kids as much as possible. It's so important just to have that connection because everybody needs connection. Here are the takeaways. Number one, involving your kids in what you're doing and what you're passionate about creates a beautiful connection and special memories. Number two, just because kids look happy and seem to be coping, it doesn't mean they are. Talk, ask questions, connect, especially when big life events happen. Number three, when you give your kids a strong structure around their everyday life, they will feel safe and secure. Number four, acknowledge feelings instead of sweeping them under the carpet. Let them have their feelings and know that they're important. And number five, have fun, be silly and be funny. Parenting is supposed to be fun and kids just love having fun in their families and that's what's going to keep them around. Thank you so much for being here. Please check the show notes for all the links related to this podcast, including book recommendations. If you have a story to share, questions about this episode, or want to connect in any way, I would love to chat. Please come and find me on Instagram at my big love project and please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review can you think of one person whose life might change a tiny bit in a positive way by hearing this episode please go ahead and share it with someone you know needs to hear it these stories are so important you are such an incredible soul because you are you you are unique your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.